the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you for joining us on Conversations with Cynthia. I hope you've had a good Sunday, and we are going to work on setting you up to have a really good week. So we have been talking a lot about this dying to self to discover self, and then we talked at the end of last week a little bit about this idea of these wonderful seven steps that I have found that really bring about the ability to be the best you, the best version of you, and to really allow for more peace in your life, more happiness, more joy, more of that just being comfortable in your own skin. And I think that's one of the hardest things for all of us to find is that calm, just being comfortable just inside ourselves with all the foibles, all the past mistakes, all the hurts, all the disappointments and the successes and the wonderful things that we just are really able to feel at home and comfortable in our own skin. So these seven steps, they're very old, actually, and this was uh, written by a psychiatrist. His name is uh, James D. Mallory, and I think he wrote these, some of these, or expounded on some of them in the 70s. I'm adding some to to this and taking some from his, um, just his insight and his wisdom. And I think he did write, there's an old book, and it started out with, with a movement of psychotherapy, and it's called The Kink and I. And so some of this comes from this book about untwisting, just kind of untwisting your life and about how much people are hurting in today's world and many times unnecessarily. So we had the first step that was believe that God loves you. We have to start at that. We have to have that be our foundation. We have to know and trust that God sees way beyond what we've done, what we're going to do who we are, and he sees into our soul, into our spirit, who we really are. And that's the person he knows. That's the person he loves so deeply. That's the person he died for. That's the person he's really working on getting you to know, you to walk out that version. So we have to start with knowing that God loves us and believing that. And we love that Sunday school song that I learned so young. And it's so simple. And we teach it to children. And I'm sad that we as adults don't use it. And it's the song, Jesus Loves Me. It says, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells 
is so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And what you need to know is the reason this is so applicable to all humans is we are God's little ones. We're his children. We're not adults in God's eyes. We are little. We're young. We're inexperienced. We're naive. We're easily deceived. But he loves us. And that's really important for you to take in and to continue to fight against the enemy of your soul who wants to tell you that God's love for you is conditional and that it's based on what you do and that he keeps score. Because trust me, if God kept score, the earth probably would not be continuing to rotate. So knowing that God loves you. And the second one we talked about was admitting your problems. Once we know that God really loves us, and we really commit to trusting that. The second thing is we need to really admit. We need to admit that we have problems. And we, stop, we need to stop denying and tricking ourselves and, and brushing things under the carpet and hoping that somehow they go away. That the Lord is very clear about admitting these things. He did this with his disciples. We have that famous interaction between he and Peter, where Peter was finally willing in a humbling way to admit what he had done. And Jesus let him correct it. He let him fix it. How amazing is that? So we want to take off the mask. We, w- we want to really be willing in a safe environment. I'm not saying you do this with everybody. But in a safe environment with a safe person, a trustworthy person, a mature person. You want to take off that mask and you need to be known deeply and completely by at least one person. And it can't just be God. It has to be a human. You have to remember that when Jesus was on the earth, he was human and he needed friends. And he got really upset the last night right before his, he was going to be taken to be crucified. And he said to his friends, they fell asleep. They're like, can't you just tarry for one hour? Can't you just be with me for one hour? So humans need humans. And God knows that. So we need a human, a safe one, to be able to admit the problems. So we're going to talk about this third one. And this is taking personal responsibility. And that's a tough one. Once we admit the problem, now we have to be (laughs) responsible For how are we going to address this? How are we going to work on it? How are we going to heal from it? What are the steps we're going to take? And what do I need to do to begin? So this is another step toward untwisting your life. And and I love this verse. Well, it's it's a very telling verse. And it's a difficult one. But it really talks about the heart of man. And this is Matthew chapter 15, verse 19 in the New International Version, and it says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So what God is saying is that our heart, that heart place of us, that feeling emotional place, that passionate place, is the area that we have to protect the most. You see, our gut is where the Holy Spirit lies. That's wisdom. When God talks about gird your loins and 
kidneys, when they talk about that in the Old Testament, they're talking about wisdom. They're talking about that gut feeling. See, our heart many times doesn't want to listen to the gut. And our heart wants to kind of convince our head of what a great idea this is to do. And the head doesn't necessarily have morality. It's just simply as a computer that's trying to make whatever you want happen, making a plan for you. So many times we override our gut. We override the Holy Spirit saying, that's not a good idea. I know it sounds good. I know it might feel good temporarily, but it is not going to get you what you want. I need you to look to me. I will help you get truly what you want and absolutely what you need. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one. So when we're taking responsibility, see, Jesus said that the attitudes and behavior patterns from which man really requires healing is out of the heart. So as long as we're trying to just hope for healing or trying to fix our external world so that somehow our problems will go away, then what's going to happen is we're going to waste a lot of time and a lot of energy changing things that may not change us internally or changing things that we can't change instead of actually changing what can change. And what truly can change with the help of God, the help of the Holy Spirit, power of Jesus, is the false self. He can change that false self into the authentic self. And, and I have to tell you, it probably is going to take us a lifetime because we know that we're never going to arrive. But what is so imperative is being a safe person on a very unsafe planet. See, the more that I work on me, the more I work on being who God's called me to be, I'm a safer person for you, which means that I don't complicate your life more as you're trying to work out your own salvation. So there's really little hope for healing if we don't take responsibility for ourselves. If we don't say, okay, I'm hurting. I am. I'm doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. I don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. I can't believe I did what I did. I mean, listen, nobody likes to shock themselves. I don't, I don't like it if I shock myself, unless it's positive, obviously. But we don't like it when we go, I can't believe I actually participated in that. I don't like to think about it. I don't like to look back because I don't like to look at it. But if you wait around and hope it just kind of goes away, you're prolonging suffering. And so this responsibility is a really serious issue. You have to remember, when Jesus was talking to Peter, he said, do you love me? He's holding him accountable. He's holding up a mirror to Peter, and Peter had to look at it, and Peter was willing to look at it. So this is one of the most difficult things, is being willing to look at the problem for what it truly is, how it's affecting me, how it's affecting others, and what I'm going to do about it. And there are some things that are simply just dysfunctional proclivities that maybe we're born with. It's kind of in our DNA that it's maybe we have a history of, of addictions that are rampant through our family of origin and up to four or ten generations. And we know that God says the sins are passed down from the father to the sons. And that's many scholars believe that that's some of what the author is talking about when he says that. 
but we still have to take responsibility for it. There still is hope and healing available for every single person, regardless of your station in life, your economic status, however talented or intelligent you might be. Wherever you have found yourself on this planet, there is still hope and healing available for you. If you're willing to ask for it, take responsibility for it. So that's a big thing to do. And I don't say that lightly. It's tough. It's really rough. But it is a really worthy endeavor. And you deserve it. You do. You deserve to be proud of yourself and proud of who you are and proud of how you carry yourself. You deserve to have a clear conscience. That's a wonderful thing to own, is a clear conscience. So we're coming up to the end of this segment. And I do want to encourage you. I don't want you to feel beaten up. I want you to know that we're all there. We're all with you. We all have our own things that we have to deal with and contend with. And God never measures our sins against another. So take heart. He has overcome the world, and he can overcome all your sins as well. So join me in the next segment. We're going to talk about believing that you can change. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website, CynthiaHyatt.com, and I'll see you on the other side. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. If you're just now tuning in, make sure that you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can listen to this show in its entirety. We are really talking today about seven habits, adding these habits, seven steps that will dramatically change your life. And they're simple, but they are not easy, that's for sure. So we left off that last, um, the first part of this, this show on taking personal responsibility. After we admit that we've got a problem, after we admit to ourselves, to God, and to another, that we probably have some things we need to work on, then we start to take personal responsibility for it. We're not going to blame it on somebody else. We're not going to blame it on our DNA, even though that's a great explanation. I, I mean, I really like the insight God gave me about that. He really cleared that up for me. He said, Cynthia, there is no excuse. But there is explanations. And explanations are helpful for us. When we explain how we got where we got, when we explain why that particular sin, that particular behavior, whatever mindset, heart set, when we explain why it makes sense to us, maybe where it came from, how we got it, why we're doing it, it really gives us a better handle on how to change it, how to reverse it, how to undo it, untwist it. So we really take responsibility for it. And we say, you know what, even if this is coming out of abuse, even if I had this behavior because, because someone abused me, that's a great explanation. It helps me to know where this thing is coming from and why I'm doing it. But unfortunately, I still have it. It's kind of like if you go to work and someone at work is sick, they have the flu, and you caught it, and now you have the flu. Well, you caught it from them. They were probably being irresponsible by coming to work and touching everything, infecting everybody. 
So it's not right they did that. But at the end of the day, you still have to fight the flu. You still have to take responsibility for it. So this next part, this next step, number four, is believing truly that you can change. This is a basic step when it comes to really untwisting things. To believe that change is possible for you. And, and I really want you to know, the enemy of our soul wants us to let go of this one and stop believing. Especially if we're one of those people that have a besetting sin. that just continues to just continue to show up no matter what we do. We might get a victory for a while and then for whatever reason, it's back again. And so we have a tendency to believe, well, you know, this is just the way I am. I'm never going to be healed. It will never be fixed. It'll never be undone. I just need to live with it and hope that I guess I get God's mercy and nobody finds out about it. Well, Jesus has another way. He has another plan. And there are some things, like we, we know Paul had a thorn in his side, a thorn in his flesh, and he asked God to remove it three times. And then he just lived with it. So that didn't mean that he used that thorn in his flesh, whatever that was, physical ailment, psychological ailment, spiritual ailment. Who knows what that was? Some think it might be an addiction. Some people think it was, you know, the, the pain that he was in from all of what he had gone through. Some people think it might be he couldn't get over the guilt and shame of what he had done by killing thousands and thousands of Jewish people. He could never forgive himself. There's a list of what people say that may be. But what we see in Paul is that he never used that as an excuse. He continued to fight through it and become a better person. And so you don't ever want to quit. Even when you get weary, you don't ever want to quit. So we have these, what we call overt sins, and we have covert sins. And the overt sins are things that people don't necessarily see, but they may feel the effects. So an overt sin may be judging someone, gossiping, speeding, I don't know, maybe cheating sort of on taxes, right? How about the covert sin of just not giving information, omitting something? Maybe a covert sin is what I secretly do in my own mind that I don't tell anybody about. Maybe I have a prejudice or I'm discriminatory, but... I kind of act the way I should, but inside of me, I'm really prejudiced against a certain group of people. So think about, wow, the covert things, because sometimes the covert sins are what lead to some of the overt sins. Because see, we often forfeit the possibility for change in regard to subtle sins, the sins of the spirit, you know, the bad attitudes, the negative thinking, because we somehow don't really believe that changing these areas is really possible. Or maybe we don't think it's that big of a deal. And we don't understand that the mind, the brain, the way we think, if we're not careful, infects the heart. And the heart is where a lot of that evil stuff, like in the verse that we read last hour, that we really got to see that out of the heart, that what God says in that Matthew verse 
And I'm going to read it to you because it is a quite an important verse. And it's that Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, that says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. But you see, a thought leads to a feeling, and a feeling leads to an action. Now, when you try to stop the action, that takes a lot of effort. But if you stop the thought, if you take hold of the thought, you take captive every thought that exalts itself above Christ Jesus, you're going to have a lot healthier feelings, and you're going to be much more in control and in command of your feelings. So we need to believe that we can change, no matter how long arduous the path is. Because we don't want to have negative faith. A negative faith says, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I believe what Jesus did, but I don't really believe he does it for me. And I have many times in my life, God gave me a great way to make this prayer about overcoming, this verse about overcoming be a prayer. And I say to God, overcome me as you've overcome the world. God, if you can overcome the world, you can overcome me. So overcome my falsities, my sinful nature, my desire to do things that are anti-Christ. Help me overcome that by overcoming me. And we have in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 29, it says, According to your faith, be it unto you. So this is true. Because whether your faith is in your inability to change or the possibility of change, this is where the power lies. Where am I believing? What is my faith in? Is my faith in my inability to overcome or is my faith in Christ who has overcome the world so we don't want to put a timeline on it we just want to continue to put effort we don't know when we're going to be totally free we know we're going to be totally free when we are in heaven but we don't know when some of our freedom down here on earth is coming so we want to keep moving toward it we don't want to stop and pull over and camp somewhere we want to keep moving toward the goal the high calling of Christ. Join me in the next segment. We talk more about these amazing steps that give us a much better life. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. And, you know, this, if you've been listening I know that this is going to help you have a better week, that it's going to give you some foundational thinking and some really good spiritual and emotional support. So if you're just tuning in with us today, make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can listen to the show in its entirety right off the website on your computer or your iPhone, Android, whatever that is. And make sure that you send these to your friends as well. And thank you always for your presence on social media. We really want to get a lot of this powerful information and just help and hope and healing to as many people as we can. So we're on our fifth step. We've been talking about these seven steps to a better you. Seven habits, seven steps that really usher in change in your life. And the last one, we really talked about believing that you can change. And part of believing that you can change leads us to prayer. And this is a big one, and this is a tough one. I mean, there are some people that really have that gift 
of prayer. I, I'm not one of those. I love praying for people, but I have a hard time sometimes just sitting down and really taking time to pray to God. And so I know that this is a discipline for me. And so the praying, honestly, really just means asking God for what you need and not feeling like you have to sell him on it or prove it to him or defend it to him. He's just your loving father. He's your friend. And he knows you better than you know you. And he still loves you. So if he can love you when he knows you 100%, completely and deeply, you can love you. And if you can't, then you ask for God's help. Because this fifth, this fifth habit, this fifth step toward really untwisting living really does have to do with prayer. And most people who know what prayer is all about, they, they know what, what prayer means. And one thing that people that really pray fervently and get some, some real power from it and, and change actually occurs are people that pray specifically. And this has really helped me over the years. So instead of saying, hey, God, help me be a better Christian. Help me to, you know, I don't know, be nice to so-and-so. Help me to have the courage to tell people about you. We want to pray specifically. So instead of saying, help me just be a better Christian or help me be a better person, a better friend, a better spouse, a better father, a better mother, I want to say, God, help me not judge my friend so-and-so today. I struggle with that, God. I struggle with her lifestyle. Lord, help me not to judge her. Help me just to love her. Or if we have children, instead of praying, hey, God, help me be a better mom, say something like, Lord, help me give my boy three really positive statements today. Help me to find something positive for this little guy that's been driving me crazy. Because it's the honesty piece where there's power when it comes to prayer. It's the honesty. Because God sees our heart, and so he sees right through our heart. And then he hears this adapted version where we're trying to make it sound good. And God is saying, why don't you just tell me your heart? Tell me what you need. Tell me what you're struggling with. And so we pray specifically. And we believe and know that God honors specific prayers. And so I want you to think about two things, because we're coming kind of close to the end of this segment. I call them often prayers and thought prayers. So I try to turn my thoughts into a prayer. And I try, the more I think, to often point it to God. So if I find myself complaining, and I hear my, in my mind I'm complaining about someone, I immediately go, God, you heard that thought. I don't know what to do about that person. I don't know how to turn that situation around. I know that I'm feeling negative feelings toward them. And Father, they're probably complaining or have a habit of complaining because something's not, not okay with them. So God, help me not be a further complication in their life. And so that's an often prayer. That's me using whatever it is that I'm thinking and turning that into a prayer. And then letting those thoughts indicate to me that I probably need to pray about that. 
So I want you to think about how to turn thoughts into prayers and do it often. And we see this with Habakkuk. He was praying and praying and praying, and he finally just said, I'm praying all about needing help, and there's murder going on, and there's violence, and nothing happened. And so when he really disclosed his heart to God, his feelings, everything changed. You need to be honest with your friend. He loves you. Join me in the last part of this as we talk more about these habits, talk about praying honestly, and we're going to talk about forgiveness as well. Welcome back. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I am Cynthia Hyatt, your guest. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. And I always say, when we are kind of in the middle of the show, if you're just tuning in, you can listen to this entire show, the entire hour, right off your computer. If you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and I want you to really take advantage of all that's on the website. We have blogs. We have um, music that you can listen to. I've done a music video that you can watch and listen to. We have all the radio shows. And, and I think you're going to enjoy what we have on the website. Also on Facebook, you can go to Facebook. We have lots of things that we do throughout the week. And Instagram, Twitter, all those different social media outlets that we do just to encourage you, to lift you up, and to just be a bright spot in your day. So make sure that, that you take advantage of all of those. So in the last segment, we were talking about this, this step, this fifth one, because we were talking about seven different habits that you want to integrate into your life or steps, whatever they may be. And so we talked about this last, this number five. That was praying honestly. And I talked to you about an often prayer or a thought prayer. And what I learned to do with God is that I often turn my thoughts into prayers. So whatever it is I'm thinking about, because I know God's hearing. He's hearing my thoughts. So I might as well direct him toward him. And when I do that, I usually get a better view of that thought or a deeper understanding. Or I might even get some relief. He may give me some insight. And so whatever it is I'm thinking and thinking on or thinking about frequently. I'm going to point that to God. So if I'm listening to the radio and I'm getting frustrated with whoever it is that I'm, I'm hearing talk, instead of just getting angry and going, I can't believe they said that, that's not accurate, it's not true, it's hurting people, right? I might turn that thought into a prayer and I might say, God, I need to pray for these people. I need to pray for them. We're all doing the best we can and I believe that. You know, I, I don't, I mean, I say to clients, if you, of course you're doing the best you can. Why wouldn't you be? If you could do better, of course you would do better. So it helps me to focus more on how God can intervene versus me just being upset and mad and having a difference of an opinion with someone and thinking they don't know the whole story, whatever it is that my mind starts to do. Then I direct those thoughts toward God and I say, God, this is what I'm thinking about this. This is what I'm worried about when they say these things. This is what concerns me. Lord, could you reveal to them truth? Could you help all of us to desire peace? But peace with truth, not just peace. 
And so it helps to do that as well as thought prayers, right? So the thought prayers turn into often prayers. So whatever you think on a lot, you turn those thoughts into a prayer and you do it often. And if those are about you, and whatever it is that you're trying to work on taking responsibility for, whatever thing you need to change, whatever is the besetting sin, whatever is the, the event that you participated in, it's those things that we want to talk honestly to God about. Because he sees it already. Actually, he knows more about whatever the event or whatever the sin, whatever it is that we did, whatever it is that we're hung up on or can't forgive ourselves for. He already knows all of it. We're not necessarily revealing something to him. We're actually revealing a lot to ourselves when we're willing to really pray honestly to God. And while we do this, this kind of praying also has to be praying for an action. So we want to be committing to action. And, and I want you to do something that really helps. If there's something in your life that you need to change and it's really big, or if it's a hurt that's really big, if it's, a, if it's something you participated in that was really big, you're not doing it now, but you do have the memory, whatever it is, instead of committing to changing the entire thing, I want you maybe just to commit praying to God regularly about it, just talking to him about it on a regular basis, not doing anything, because actually talking to God about what needs to change, that's a commitment to action. Just being willing to open your heart to him. So break it down into as many steps as you can. So let's say you participated in some type of an event that you know went against your value system and the value system of, of the Holy Spirit of God. And maybe nobody knows about it. Maybe people have known about it. But maybe it happened a while ago. And maybe for all intents and purposes, everybody else has forgotten about it. Or maybe you've repented for it and there's been healing from it. But you can't forget about it. You can't forgive yourself for it. You keep being haunted by it. Or let's say you've participated in something recently and you're afraid. It's going to be found out. So instead of scrambling to cover all your tracks and try to make sure that nobody finds out that it happened, I want you to start directing your prayers toward God and say, your will be done, God. Your will be done. Because I'm going to try to fix this at a human level and I'm probably going to get myself in more trouble. But God, if I trust you, that I've repented to you, and I know what I did was wrong, and I'm asking you to guide me in the repairing process, Lord, your will be done. If it has to come out in the open, then God, you are doing that because it will benefit a great many people and myself. If it doesn't come out in the open, that's because it's benefiting a great deal of people, that it would not benefit people to know about it. Sometimes God does that. Sometimes God covers Sometimes God exposes, but he always does either of those for the benefit of his people. He doesn't harm people. It doesn't mean there isn't hurt. But the human heart is amazing in its ability to heal from hurt. So we want to not be afraid. And we want to trust God 
So break those things down into little things that you can actually commit to praying about. And when you hear God ask you to do an action, and sometimes you might hear it as a thought in your head. Sometimes you might see a commercial on television, right? Sometimes somebody might talk about the very thing that you need to start doing. And they may say that they're doing it. So listen for direction from God as to what to do with whatever the sin is that you are needing to have overcome. He's a very creative God. He has lots of ways to do it. And then the other commitment I want you to make when you're praying is forgiveness. Because that's an imperative step. And we did a whole show on forgiveness and the five-day-a-week show, we did a whole entire week on forgiveness. So you can find that also on the website. So I want you to think about this sixth step toward untwisting your life. And this is the principle that Christ made very clear. He said, your heavenly Father will forgive you if you forgive those who sin against you. If you refuse to forgive them, he will not forgive you. Now, there's a lot of different interpretations of this, and I don't want you to take this literally. What I want you to see that is so important here is God is saying, I can possibly forgive you, but if you don't forgive you, if you don't forgive that other person, you inhibit the forgiveness power from happening. Because you have to understand, you may have forgiven everyone in your life that has hurt you, but you may have not forgiven yourself. If you won't forgive you, you can't experience the forgiveness of God. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, I I refuse to forgive you because you won't forgive. He's saying all these people that you won't forgive and you that you won't forgive can't experience my forgiving power and what that does for people's lives and how it brings back peace, joy, trust, health, wholeness. But if we refuse the forgiveness... You want to understand that's a big deal to God. Because God is perfect. He's the one that can truly forgive. And if he's doing it, when he doesn't have to do it, there's no reason for him to have to forgive. He's perfect. He's done nothing wrong. Why would he be so willing to forgive such mistake-making people? So it's an affront to God if we refuse to forgive. And it pains him terribly when we won't forgive ourselves, especially if you're a Christian and God lives inside of you. If Jesus lives inside of you, he's having to live with that unforgiveness every day. That's an affront. He died for that sin you're unwilling to forgive. When he was hanging on the cross more than 2,000 years ago and saw everything, every sin from the beginning of time to the last days he forgave them all, he saw it. He saw yours. He sees the one you're going to do tomorrow. And he's already forgiven it. So forgiveness is a really, really big piece that we don't want to feel separated from God because of unforgiveness. And we don't want that unforgiveness to begin to corrupt our soul. So this is where your mind may make a great case for you as to why not to forgive the person. Why not to forgive yourself? But your mind is also at enmity with God. So your thinking isn't always correct. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to tell us truth. That's why we read the Bible. That's why 
We, we come together. We reason together. We talk about what's going on in, inside of ourselves so that we can get it untwisted and worked out so that it is actually based in truth. Our thoughts, our feelings are based in truth. So this is an important piece to integrate into your life on an ongoing basis. And then this last one that we're going to do, this is learning the discipline of the mind. And one of the disciplines of the mind is forgiveness. And so I want to read you, this is Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 22. And this is a really amazing devotion that I came across. And it says, forgiving to get my life back. And Peter says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven, but 77 times. So he doesn't really mean literally 77. He means never stop. Never stop forgiving. So this discipline of the mind includes these six steps. This willingness to do these steps, to let Jesus infiltrate our mind, our heart, our soul, our spirit. So that we actually can walk in forgiveness. That we can think on thoughts that elevate us. That we can be committed to prayer. And we can be committed to taking responsibility for things. And we believe that God is going to change us. And we admit what needs to be changed. But but bottom line is, you need to start with believing that God loves you. He loves you more than you could ever even begin to fathom. I would imagine that heaven is going to be learning how much God loves us for the rest of time. It's that big. It's that enduring. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. I just pray God's blessings on you. Make sure you check out the website, listen to the show in its entirety. Have a great week. I will talk to you truly in six days. So bless those around you. Forgive, forgive yourself, forgive others. And God smiles when that happens. God bless you. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.